0: risen. He's risen. The 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 cross was not the end. Uh happy Easter to all of you. I'm so glad that you're here with him, with me with us and together um as a family of of uh, believers um joined together in Christ. I uh it's hard to, you know, that so like powerful. But I kind of feel like no now I'm going to be kind of bringing it down a little. So <laughs> so uh, you know I apologize ahead that I don't have the dramatic music behind me uh, through the whole sermon. But uh, I'm glad that you're here, uh, not just because it would be really weird for me to be speaking in front of an empty room, but because it's Easter Sunday. It is a day for celebration, and it would be strange to celebrate the greatest day in all of history all alone. So uh, I welcome you all here together, many of you this, uh, this summer, this spring, are going to be joining together with friends and with family to celebrate graduations, weddings, uh, birthday parties, maybe a retirement. Uh, at those events, we recognize and we um, celebrate love. We celebrate accomplishments and we celebrate life. And today, we're doing just that very same thing. We're coming together as a family, uh, believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, to celebrate those same three things: to celebrate Jesus' love that. Jesus loved us so much, He demonstrated that love that while we were still sinners, He died for us. We come to celebrate His accomplishment, that He won victory over our greatest adversaries, sin and death. Uh, First Corinthians says, "But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. The third thing that we celebrate is we celebrate Jesus life. Jesus is alive. The angels said to the woman at the tomb, Jesus is not dead, he is risen, he is alive. And that is why we sang the songs that we sang today, the songs of praise that sing of Jesus who loved us came and rose in victory. Um God was born into human flesh through the power of the Holy Spirit, working through the body of Mary, and he was named Jesus. Now Jesus lived as a baby, he lived as a toddler, he lived as a child, he lived as a man. Jesus faced all of the same temptations that we do, pride, greed, lust, yet unlike us, he was able to live a perfect life. There was no sin in him. And because of his sinless nature being born of the Spirit, and because he lived a sinless life, he was able to offer that life as the perfect sacrifice to God for the punishment that we owed for our sins. But because he was without sin, death had no hold on him. And by the power of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, he rose again in victory over the grave, demonstrating to us that those of us who have faith in him, who have been sealed by that same Holy Spirit, will also rise again and death will have no victory over us. On Good Friday, uh, we remembered the cross of Jesus. We remembered with humble gratitude the suffering that Jesus endured because he loved us so much. And, and when, we, when we remember it, and we, and we think about the beatings that he took, the crown of thorns that was driven into his flesh, the humiliation, the mocking, the nails that pierced him, and the slow suffocation that crucifixion causes, it, it helps us to see the true magnitude of what our sin deserves and how awful it is. If one was ever to think that a little bit of sin is really no big deal, we can look at the penalty for it, the penalty that it that, that it earned that was poured out on Jesus, and we can see just how wretched our sin is in the eyes of a holy God. As we remember the suffering of Jesus, our heart aches. Thinking of the picture of him carrying the cross and being nailed to it and slowly dying, our heart aches at the thought of it but when we think about the fact that he loved us so much that he willingly voluntarily did that our love for him grows so much more But on Good Friday the crucifixion the death on the cross that was not the end Scott shared with us on Friday uh, at our service Friday night that cross was not a defeat Jesus was not defeated until Easter morning. He was victorious in his death. When he said it was finished, his spirit and his spirit died, that was him striking the final victory blow against sin and death. It was a touchdown spike. His death was victory. Jesus knew at that moment that he had accomplished everything that he had come to do. And when his body died, he was immediately free from the pain of human life, but he was not bound by the grave. He had won victory over sin and death. All sin for all man for all time was covered by the blood that he shed on the, cro- on the cross, and he had paved a way for us to be redeemed and restored to the Father. And then he returned to the Father to receive all the glory, all the honor, all the praise that he is due at the right hand of of God, his body may have been dead, but death had no power over him, and he was to receive all glory, all honor, all power for all eternity. Today is Easter Sunday, and today we celebrate that the death on the cross and the burial in the tomb was not the end. Instead, what the world saw as the ultimate defeat, today we celebrate that Jesus is not dead, but he is risen, he is alive. And that ultimate defeat was just setting up the most dramatic victory that anyone could ever imagine. Jesus won the victory. But in order for there to be a victory, there has to be a challenger, there has to be an oppressor, there has to be some sort of adversary you're going to have a victory over nothing. Um, in order to more fully appreciate the greatness of the victory, we have to understand the repercussions had the victory not been won. What exactly was at stake? Who was our adversary? What was our adversary? And then for that, we, we go all the way back to the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. All creation was created by him, And on the last day of creation, he created something special, something precious to him. He created mankind, but he didn't create him in the same way that he created all of other creation. It was an intimate creating. He didn't speak into him, speak him into existence, but he took the dirt and he formed him into a man. And he said that he made us very special. He said he made us in his very image. So just as a father and a mother's child is more precious to them than any other life on earth, we are precious to God, and God breathed his life into mankind. So from the beginning, God loved us, and God created us to be his children, to have a relationship with him. We see this displayed in Genesis with this picture of him walking in the garden and, and and the idea of him wanting to spend time with Adam and Eve. God desired a real relationship with mankind. And, and what I mean by a real relationship is that he could have created us pre-programmed to love him and obey him. But would have that really been love? Would have that really been obedience if there was no choice? No. So God gave mankind the ability to choose for ourselves. If we look at Genesis chapter 2, verses 8 through 9, it says, Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful, that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Genesis two fifteen through 17, kind of jumping ahead and completing the story here, says the Lord God placed the man in the garden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Mankind had a choice. They could choose to obey God or they could choose to follow their own desires. We find verses throughout the Bible, it's just peppered everywhere, uh, where God connects loving and obeying together. You find verses that say, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. God created us to be his children. And this is this is kind of parent relationship 101. Uh, a parent wants Their child to love them and know that they are loved by them. And a parent wants the children to choose to obey them and trust and know that the rules that the parent has for them are to bless them, to benefit them, to protect them, not to hurt them. And the same is true with God. But Adam and Eve were not immune to temptation. Jumping ahead again to Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, it says, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too." At that moment, their eyes were opened, and then suddenly they felt shame at their nakedness, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. In that moment, sin entered the world, and with it, death. Not just physical death, that that all humankind would experience from that point forward where our bodies would begin to uh, degrade And would eventually die but also mankind experienced a spiritual death the internal relation the intimate eternal relationship that Jesus had planned us for that he had created us for was now destroyed our spirit our way of communicating with God connecting to God being one with God was destroyed it was it was dead our spirit was dead in sin Isaiah prophesied um, to Israel in Isaiah 59, verse 2, it says, Your sins that have cut you off, it's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, He is turned away and will not listen anymore. God is holy and just. He doesn't sin and He can't join Himself with those who are guilty of sin. This was not just a problem for Adam and Eve, but this is a problem for us because. We were born from Adam, and therefore all of us were born with a sin nature. And every one of us, even without the sin nature, every one of us has sinned. Isaiah continues in verse 12 saying, For our sins are piled up before God and testify against us. Yes, we know what sinners we are. We know we have rebelled and have denied the Lord. We have turned our backs on God. We know how unfair and oppressive we have been carefully planning our deceitful lies. Isaiah, it was specifically talking to Israel, but this is true for all mankind throughout all of history. Since the beginning, we have been born into sin and we've been held captive by its power and subject to the penalty that sin deserves. Just like somebody who's committed a crime against the state The state will never see them as free until they've paid the penalty for their crime. The same is true with God. God is not just a holy God, but he is a just God. And he cannot see us as free. He cannot allow us to be free. He cannot allow a penalty to go unpaid. That wouldn't be just. That wouldn't be right. We have all sinned. We're all guilty in the eyes of God. And what is the penalty for our sin. Now God told Adam and Eve that if they ate of the tree that they would surely die. And we find Paul in Romans 3:23 or 6:23 says for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. We were all held captive by the chains of sin and we had no power to break it. Those chains were not holding us as temporary captives. It wasn't a temporary hold that after a certain amount of time we'll pay our our penance and be done. We were held by the chains of sin until death and then after death to face judgment. There was no way out. We cannot have victory if we do not have an adversary. Often when we think of adversary, especially in church, we think of Satan as our adversary. And it's true that Satan is one of our adversaries, Um, And he was the one who tempted Eve and got her to look towards the tree. Um, But we don't need Satan uh, in order to sin. He may have been the one that tempted Eve, and he continues to tempt us today. Eve's head might have been turned towards the forbidden fruit by Satan, but it was her reasoning, it was her, her own desires, it was her choice that caused her to eat it she saw that the tree was beautiful she looked at the fruit and she said that looks good that looks delicious she wanted the wisdom that she thought it would bring her the devil didn't make her do it she chose what she thought was appealing to her and she chose that over God's warning and over God's instruction sin is very tempting in fact it's too tempting for any human being to fully resist. And because of that, we've all sinned. We've all acted in ways that don't measure up to God's standard, which is perfect holiness with no trace of sin at all. Sin is our greatest adversary and death is its result. Most of us here today have heard the good news that Jesus came and made a way for us to be free from sin and death. And most all of you that have heard that good news have made the decision to put your trust in Jesus and have been set free from those chains. But I want us to, for a moment, just consider again the state that we were in before we received that hope, before we received that freedom. Each of us was under the power of the penalty of sin. Ephesians 2 says it like this, in verses 1 through 3, it says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in our hearts, in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Some of us, as we look back at our past, may recognize what miserable shape we were in. We might, we might really see our sin and and, and see how how bad we were, and, and feel. And have felt the guilt and shame from it. Other of others of us might look back and think we haven't really done anything that bad. Yeah, and and maybe and it, it kind of seems somewhat understandable when you when you uh, stop and you look at the news or you hear the news and you hear about all of the the horrible stories of murderers. You know you hear about child abusers and adulterers. You hear about people that have swindled the elderly out of their savings. Uh, the rampant looting and destruction of property and we compare ourselves to, to people who've done the, the worst things that we can imagine by our standards, and we can feel pretty good about ourselves. But there's a real danger in that, especially for those who, who haven't accepted Christ, who haven't recognized that they are sinners, there's a danger in thinking that we're pretty good, that we don't really need a Savior. But as I mentioned before, God is holy. He's set apart. He's separate from all sin, all wrongdoing. His slate is completely clean, and he calls us to that same standard. He he calls us to be holy as he is holy, but we're not able to live up to that standard. Romans 3.23 says, uh, for everyone has sinned. We have all fallen short of God's glorious standard. In comparison to God, we were all filthy with sin. We have lied, we've stolen, we disobeyed our parents, uh, we lusted, we cheated, we used the Lord's name in vain, we placed other things as more important in our lives than God, and the list goes on and on. But in in reality, even if you only sinned one time in your entire life, you like everyone else, would have fallen short of God's glorious standard. And as a God that is not only holy, but like I said before, he is just, he cannot allow the penalty for sin to go unpaid. Therefore, we were all going to die and face judgment for our sins and eternal separation from the Creator who loved us. And that, that was our condition. Sin and death were our greatest adversaries. Now, when we recognize the desperate state that we're in and we hear about the cross of Jesus Christ and that despite our sin, our disobedience, our unworthiness, Jesus chose to suffer and die to pay for our sin. That cross, as I defined how he was nailed to it, when you think about the picture of how a person dies on it, that horrific tool of torture, when thought of in the fact that Jesus chose to die in our place to take it for us, becomes the most beautiful thing that we have ever seen. It was a horrific tool of death. It was a punishment that nobody would ever desire. But because he loved us so much, he died for us. There is nothing more beautiful than the cross of Jesus Christ that saved us. Colossians 2, 13-14 through 14, says you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature and because your sinful nature was not cut away. We were in a hopeless situation. Then, it continues, then, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all of your sins, all of our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. He had no obligation. He was not at fault. It was not his sin, it was our debt. But because of his great love for us, he chose to rescue us. The cross was Jesus' victory. Over our adversary. The power of sin and death was defeated. Hebrews 9, uh, starting at verse 10, says, For it was the will, it was God's will, sorry, for God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Under the old covenant, the priest, stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest offers himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down at the place of honor at God's right hand. The cross was, is, and forever will be the answer for sin. Through it, we are made holy just as he is holy. We could not achieve God's standard of holiness, but it was purchased for us on the cross. We talk about the cross and we talk about the victory that we have in Jesus throughout the year. But today, on Easter Sunday, we come together with a greater focus and a greater excitement to celebrate what happened on the cross. To recognize again the earth-shaking victory that was won over sin and death. It was not just Jesus' victory when he resurrected. It was our victory. His victory was our victory. We were covered with a stain of sin that we had no way of removing. We were marked for death. We had lost our relationship with the Creator which in turn separated us from the very reason that we were created. We were made for a relationship with God, a relationship with the God of the universe. And outside of that relationship, we'll never find fulfillment. The answer to the longing in our hearts for something more in this life is found in our relationship with God. So today we come and celebrate that sin's penalty have been paid in full, and we are now able once again to be called children of God. We were trapped by shame, and now Jesus washed it all away. We were lost, but now we're found. We had no hope, but now in the cross of Jesus Christ, we have hope that is secured forever. When Jesus came into the town, into Jerusalem, on Palm Sunday, when we we talked about how he entered and, and the people gathered together to worship him, he was receiving a preemptive victory celebration. The victory was already in the bag. There was no doubt that he was going to accomplish a great victory. But the resurrection that we're celebrating today, it wasn't the victory. It was the proof that the victory was won on the cross, we read again, uh, we're going to read Colossians chapter 2, verse 14 again, and then we're going to continue into 15. It says, He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by His victory over them on the cross. The cross was the victory and the resurrection was the result. It is at the resurrection that we are assured that everything that Jesus said was true. His prophecies were fulfilled and his power was displayed. Imagine for a moment that you you hold a seed in your hand and and it's the last seed for a plant that is that is extinct. Okay? So you you take the seed and you plant it in the ground and you don't know for sure if it's going to take. Like you may hope and you might believe that it's going to grow, or maybe you, maybe you don't think that it will. But there's really no reason to celebrate until you see it break through the surface out into the open. It's at that moment that you can have hope that there might be life for this plant. It, Jesus, if he would have stayed in the ground, if he wouldn't have risen, we would have no reason to celebrate we it would it would it would have been proof if he stayed in the ground that the cross didn't work, but he didn't stay in the ground. His resurrection proves that he was God, that he was sinless, and that everything he promised was true. The resurrection was the result of the victory that Jesus won on the cross. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. There are three reasons to celebrate, there's lots of reasons to celebrate, but here are three reasons to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Number one, Jesus' resurrection proves that our sins were paid. In other words, the check cleared. When Jesus paid the price, the check cleared. If Jesus didn't raise, it it would have proved that he did not win the final victory over sin and death because death was still holding him if it was still holding Jesus, death would still be holding us. 1 Corinthians 15, 20-22 says, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies... just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life there is an order to the to this resurrection Christ was raised as the first harvest then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back the second thing that we can celebrate is that uh, we can celebrate that Jesus is at the right hand of the father according to first john it says that Jesus is our Advocate before the Father, that He's there advocating for us that, that our sins are forgiven. If he wouldn't have rose from the dead, he couldn't be at the right hand of the Father being our advocate. He couldn't be there being our mediator. Uh he couldn't be there standing in the gap for us if he was still dead. So praise God, Jesus is alive and he ascended to the throne. Number three, three have a hard time with my fingers sometimes. Um, eternal life is for real. Uh, now this one, I there. there's a verse I'm going to read. I have the reference wrong. I don't remember what it was, but somewhere in the Bible, if you look this up, you'll find it. I guarantee you. Uh, it says, uh, and now he has made all of this plain to us by, appearing, by the appearing of Christ Jesus our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life in immortality through the good news. Eternal life is for real. The same power that lived in Jesus, the same power that raised him from the dead, now lives in us. And we are going to experience the same resurrection power that he experienced. Death was defeated. And it has, just like it had no power over Jesus, it has no power over us. Jesus demonstrated complete and total victory over sin and death and the grave. Before I close today, I want to give an opportunity for anyone who might be here that has never made a decision to become a follower of Jesus. You can make that choice today. And, And for those of you who have made this choice, bring this message with you wherever you go. If you have not put your trust in Jesus, if you've never recognized that Jesus is the Son of God and that he died on the cross for your sins, and if you feel that God is stirring something in you, that he's awakened something in you, that, he's, that, you, that you feel like you have a longing to be reconnected with a Father who loves you, know that Jesus made a way. Jesus loves you and he wants you to receive this free gift of salvation that he won for us on the cross. This could be your best Easter ever. Because of his great love for you, Jesus died on the cross and he rose again. He defeated our two greatest adversaries, sin and death. And now he's longing for everyone to see that the locks on the chains that, that bound us have been broken. We don't have to carry him anymore. He's saying you can take those chains off, you can lay them at the cross, and you can follow him, you can trust him, and you can find hope in him. Uh, Romans 10, 9 through 13 says that if you confess with your mouth that the Lord Jesus, that the if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if you're ready to begin a new life with Jesus and make him Lord and Savior, all you have to do is talk to him and tell him. There's there's no specific magic words that, that make you a follower of Jesus. Um, I'm not going to ask you to, to stand or come up front, but during this last song, I just want to encourage you to go ahead and recognize that you have sinned, that, that there is something that has separated you there is a, there's a guilt, there's a stain that, that separated you from God. And I want you to recognize that Jesus came and died on the cross so that we could be free from that. The, the, the sin that you're carrying has been paid for, and he just asks that you would choose to follow him, that you would that you would believe in him, that you would put your trust that what he did on the cross for you covered your sin, that he paved the way for you. So um, just tell him that. Tell him, Lord, I'm a sinner and I need you. I need a Savior. Come and walk with me. Change me. Change my heart. Make me alive again and help me to live a life that would be pleasing to you. When you pray a prayer like that, Jesus says that you become born again. That spirit that died in the beginning when sin first entered the world becomes born Alive again, and your ability to have a relationship and oneness with God is restored. So we're going to stand. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to pray before we sing. Uh, We're going to sing one last song of celebration. And during that song, if you feel God pulling your on your heart, saying saying, "Come to me," I want to set you free. Um, Just pray to Him and ask Him to come into your heart. Lord, I just thank you. We celebrate today that you were victorious on the cross, Lord. For three days, there may have been some question of what happened. Maybe your your followers didn't know, the world didn't see, but three days later, you rose again. You showed that on the cross, you won the victory. There is no doubt you are the Son of God. You were sinless. The wages of sin was death, but you had no sin. Death had no hold on you. Lord, we thank you that you loved us enough to suffer and die for us. That even when we had turned our backs towards you in disobedience, you, being a loving father, made a way. You, being a loving father, ran after us. You sent your son. And you didn't leave and you didn't give up until it was finished until it was completed and the victory was won we thank you lord that when we came to you when we received the victory of the cross when we put our trust in you our chains fell off and that we are free lord jesus that we have no reason to fear lord god anything in this life because we are free. The power of sin and death has no hold on us, Lord. And we just thank you for your freedom, and we celebrate your resurrection. Amen. If you if you did pray that prayer today, if you if you asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, uh, before you leave, if you could try and find me, I have a little gift for you. That I'd like to like to give you. Uh, so just uh, come and find me at the end. Um, to everybody, happy Easter. Bring this message with you. Go in the power of the resurrection. Go in the power of the Holy Spirit, praising Jesus as our risen Savior, bringing glory to God wherever you go.